Hi, I'm Andy Kindler, and you're listening to PX Tape Recorder. Are you enjoying it? I certainly hope so. I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder, and welcome to another edition of P.F.'s third favorite band, question mark. This week's contestants, Vampire Weekend from New York City. All right, we'll get to Vampire Weekend in just a few minutes. Of course, we always start with a track each by my uh, first two favorite bands, the Beach Boys and Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark. Now, with the Beach Boys, we left off at the, let me see, L.A. Light album. We skipped the M.I.U. album, which was before the L.A. Light album, and we have now arrived in 1981... And an album comes out called Keeping the Summer Alive. Now, I believe when they were sort of touring this album, well, when they were touring it this time, they were mostly, it was mostly a jukebox act, as they say. It was mostly the, you know, uh, pre-Pet Sounds, around Pet Sounds hits and one or two new tracks. Uh, this also causes some problems in the band because Carl, uh, Carl Wilson wants to play the new stuff uh, as well as the, you know, the, uh, the hits everybody loves. And uh, so I think this is probably the tour that I first saw them on, and this is the only time, of course, that I saw all uh, six members together. I I think Bruce, yeah, Bruce is back at this point, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, and I've told the story before. My uh, dad took me to see them at the Canfield Fair in Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, my uncle tagged along. My uncle is seven years younger than my dad, so he graduated from high school in... 50, what, nine, I think. And uh, so this is important to the story because my uncle came along only to hate on the Beach Boys. <laughs> the sole reason he came, I'm convinced. Uh, my dad did it to be nice. because um, my dad graduated in 52, so he right at the start of the rock and roll era. So he's not super keen on, on the rock and roll music. But uh, he took me to see the Beach Boys because he knew I loved the Beach Boys. And they were in town, and it was only a half hour away um, from my uncle's house. So we went... And um, I've, and I've said this many times before. Um, the character in American Graffiti, the Paul Lamott character who's driving around and picks up Mackenzie Phillips, that musically that's my uncle. Not so much the the rough, tough side of the guy, but musically, when he says the uh, music ain't been the same since Buddy Holly died, that's exactly my uncle. <laughs> Hated everything after Buddy Holly. Hated the Beatles. Hated the Beach Boys. Anyway, um, so I'm pretty sure this is the album they had out. Uh, it was the most recent album. When I, yeah, because they're, they're not going to release another album for another five years after this. So anyway, and there's this little tiny window where Brian joins the band again for a few months, and uh, they tour together. They only do maybe, I don't know, half a dozen dates, and one of them is the Canfield Fair. So And uh, and a year later, we're going to lose Dennis in a drowning accident, so this is the only time I see all six members together uh, on one stage. And anyway, uh, they, uh, anyway, they had this album out, and I was looking through it, and I was going to play the song called Keeping the Summer Alive. It's the title track from the album, and I remember them playing this. I uh, watched them on HBO. They used to show the 4th of July concert that the band did and uh i like this song a lot and i was like oh this is cool and it's a new song and so i'm looking I'm, I'll, I'll play this i'm looking to see when the single was released i'm looking i'm not finding i think the wikipedia someone on wikipedia make a mistake this was never a single it turns out the title track of keeping the summer alive which is the best track on the album was not a single it's co-written uh carl wilson and randy bachman off of bachman and turner and overdrive from winnipeg manitoba canada and you can tell it's it's much more of a bachman turner overdrive song than it is a beach boy song you'll hear that immediately uh, they write another song together called living with a heartache that does become a single uh going on is another single from this it only gets to 83 living with a heartache does not chart oh darling does not chart Oh, Darlin becomes a uh, comes part of the live set at this point for a couple of years. Not to be confused with the song "Darlin," which is a separate song, uh, which is also in the, uh, the the set. 
these days. Uh, but uh, Keeping the Summer Alive is the uh, title track from the album of the same name. And well, here it is. Keeping the Summer Alive, co-written Randy Bachman, Carl Wilson, don't know why it was a single, was not a single. Uh, it's a good tune. It, it is more Bachman-Turner than it is Beach Boys, certainly. Uh, uh, Randy Bachman wrote the liner notes for the re-release of the CD. The CD comes out later. Um, they did a thing where they packaged two albums together. So this album and the subsequent album, The Beach Boys from 1985, end up together on one disc. And for the liner notes, I don't know who does the liner notes for The Beach Boys, I think, but uh, Do- Randy Bachman does the liner notes for Keeping the Summer Alive. And he was thrilled, of course, to write with Carl Wilson and uh, some nice notes and thoughts he had on the band. And this is an okay album. I like the songs on it. Uh, like I, I like the, the single the most, uh, or what should have been the single the most. And the other singles are okay. Living to the Heartache, I just don't understand why that was chosen as a single over the title track. But there you have it. Okay, so uh, we'll get to what happens after Keeping the Summer Alive on the next episode. We now move on to Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. Uh, Andy is now still on his own. The uh, other three, uh, Paul, Martin, and Mal, have released an album called uh, the, the Listening Pool. And I should have played something from The Listening Pool. Maybe on the next episode, I'll, we'll give you a twofer. I'll play the next OMD track uh, in the lineup, and then I'll also play what The Listening Pool sounded like. Um, it does not sound unlike what you would think it would sound like. Anyway, so uh, this is Andy's third album as the uh, sole member. Of, well, he's got, like I said, he's got help with him, but really he is Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark at this point. He releases an album called Universal in 1986, and it contains a, a great, great track. It's still uh, part of the live show to this day. It is epic. It is, he, at the time, he reasoned it was probably the best song he'd ever written. And uh, I'm not going to argue with that. This is Walking on the Milky Way.
So walking down the Milky Way, if you're uh, one of our UK listeners, you may recognize that from an advert for Milky Way candy bars. How about that? Uh, anyway, you can make some money. I, I, I ain't mad at you. Oh, which we're going to talk about in a second, by the way, bands making money because Vampire Weekend figures into this. Uh, so Orchestral Moves in the Dark with Walking on the Milky Way. What, what happens is the song only gets to 20-odd, like 21 or 24 in the UK chart, which is a very disappointing showing considering he had really high hopes for the song. And as he told me in an interview once, uh, when the singles compilation came out in the late 90s or early 2000s, he was in a record store and he saw an Erasure CD and he's big pals with uh, Vince Clark uh, from Erasure. And uh, he was going to buy the Erasure album, and he's like, geez, I really need another Erasure album at this point. And they've had like 10 at this point. This is the late 90s again. And, uh, and then he thought to himself, holy cow, what if people think, do I need another OMD album? They're probably thinking that when they pick up Universal. And they thought, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. So he closed up OMD, uh, recruited a couple of young gals to form a, a girl pop group, uh, sort of like Spice Girls. They're called Atomic Kitten. And, uh, well, there you go. So uh, he gets out of the music business, not the music business, he gets out of the OMD business for a while, but uh, boy, and Universal is a, a good album. I think, like Liberator before it, it's got some really good peaks, but the valleys are a little deep, I would say, although it's grown on me over the years. I, I can get all the way through this album without skipping any tracks, certainly. It's just, like I said, the couple of songs that are really good, and which should have been singles, by the way, uh, uh, Very Close to Far Away should have been a single, and Too Late should have been a single. The title track ends up being a single, weirdly, and I think that's the only two singles that are released from the album. Let me see here, according to... Uh, it's one thing Wikipedia is good for, is uh, the discographies are pretty accurate. Yeah, Universal and Walking on the Milky Way are the only two songs released from the album. I think The Boy from the Chemist was scheduled to be a single and was not. That's an okay tune. Uh, so anyway, there you have it. Walking on the Milky Way, OMD. We press on to Vampire Weekend. So Vampire Weekend, I came to, I guess, a little late. Uh, kind of embarrassingly discovered them. Well, I didn't really discover them through the Honda commercial. The one that was on in 2010, you might remember, it was a, a Honda commercial around Christmas time, and was the song was Holiday. And I remember thinking, even at the time, I'm like, you know what? I bet this Holiday song isn't really a Christmas song. It's it's probably more like a using the British uh, vernacular, holiday meaning vacation. And who knows? This group might even be British. Who knows? Uh, they are not. They're from New York City. Uh, and I, I'd heard the name Vampire Weekend. Fangirl's getting into music at this point. She kind of actually starts getting into Vampire Weekend. Kind of gets my wife into Vampire Weekend. And I'm like, oh, these guys are fine. And so uh, that's my first exposure is the dumb Honda commercial. I probably heard, let me go back here and see. I probably heard A-Punk. I probably heard Oxford comma around 2008. But, you know, I'm not, I'm just like, oh, these guys are fine. And uh, they're formed in New York City at Columbia University uh, by four guys. Um, and the, the two main dudes, one is named Rostam, and he has a hard to pronounce last name, Ezra Koning. And then it's, uh, oh, I can't remember, the, the bass player's uh, last name is Bayo. And I can't remember his first name. And he is kin to uh, Scott Bayo, by the way, and uh, Jimmy Bayo off of Soap. So they are all cousins. Uh, I don't know what kind of cousins they are, but they are all cousins. And it's, it's Chris Bayo, and then uh, and then Chris Thompson is the drummer. All right, so they form in New York City at uh, NYU, I believe it is. Uh, they are kind of 
the version world music and um sort of you know johnny clegg the paul simon albums if you if you're familiar but real like more world they really dig deep and they kind of bring that and they also kind of decide they want to be a preppy band because there aren't many preppy bands and they kind of get some guff for this early on people say oh you're just a bunch of rich yuppies went to nyu and, and ezra coning even though he comes from money and i think the other ones do too they don't come from a lot a lot of money like he still has to take out student loans to go to nyu so do the rest of the band and weirdly none of them are wasps ezra coning is Jewish. Rostam is Persian, and the other two dudes are of Eastern European descent, as we say, but it's Hungarian and Ukrainian, I believe. So we're talking Eastern European. So not very waspy at all. But still, they have that sound, that New York City, um, the Hamptons kind of East Coast sound that's really cool with a heavy dose of uh, world music, oddly, kind of a juxtaposition there, if you will. So anyway, uh, we're going, let's go back to the discography here. Um, like I said, A-Punk uh, is an early single, and weirdly, the, the song I'm going to choose for you to hear comes from the first album, Vampire Weekend, uh, the uh, eponymously titled Vampire Weekend. Uh, they release... Ends it releasing one, two, three, four, five singles from this album. None of them are this song, which is called M79. And I love this song, and I kind of took to it after seeing them live. I got to hear it because um, this isn't really one that my uh, wife or uh, fangirl played very often. They played it occasionally. But uh, after seeing them live three times in 2019, I, I really took with me. So here's M79 from Vampire Weekend. <laughs> Vampire Weekend M79 from their first album, Vampire Weekend. We get to Contra in 2009. And again, a lot of good tracks on this one. You may have heard Horchata, which actually is more of a Christmas song. It's about drinking Horchata around Christmas time. Cousins, uh, Giving Up the Guns, a good tune. Holiday, of course, comes from this album. I guess this is probably where I heard them. I thought Holiday was on the first album. Actually, probably don't hear of them until around now. Yeah, that would make sense because it comes out in 2010. Uh, that Honda commercial is 2010, as I recall. Uh, White Sky is another great tune from this album. And a song called Run, which I'm not sure why it's a single. Again, uh, going to go with a song that is... Uh, oh, wait, you know what? We're going to go back... I just realized we have four albums to cover. We always play six tunes. We're going to back up to another non-single, a great tune from the first album, Walcott. 
And uh, the name Vampire Weekend comes from a student film Ezra Koenig made in school his freshman year. They spent two days on. It was inspired by The Lost Boys, 1987 film, but the title stuck in his head. So he decided, hey, name is band then. The other band member said, that's a great idea. So, and one of the characters in the movie is called Wolcott. So the song called Wolcott is the second song they ever wrote. It alternates with another song uh, called Hey Ya, or Ya Hey, uh, as the final, final song of uh, their set. So if you see them, I think like, it seems like every night they alternate between the two, but um, I think this is the better the better closer for the show, and you're going to see why. This is Walcott from Vampire Weekend. always closes Vampire Weekend shows. What a tune. Uh, we go and see Vampire Weekend actually in Buffalo in, I guess, I guess it's when Contra is out or is it? No, no, it's, it's later on because, uh, yeah, it's when Modern Vampires of the City comes out. So hold off on that story. Anyway, we're back at Contra from 2009. Holidays on this. That's the, the big, big tune. Cousins is the uh, big tune from this. And uh, again, I'm going to play a song that was, uh, not a single. No, White Sky was a single. Okay. White Sky was a single. It is my favorite tune from Contra, although the t- title track also very good. Um, I had a hard time picking tracks as you can, as you can well imagine. Uh, but uh, this is White Sky from Vampire Weekend. An ancient business, a modern piece of glasswork. Down on the corner that you walk each day in passing. The elderly sales clerk on ass with suspicion. The whole of motor corporations giving its mission.
White Sky from the album Contra Vampire Weekend. And again, I'm really not into them at this point. Um, I know people that are. And then I'm listening to Radio 1 and I hear this. You touch the side like a pile of leaves. I gotta find some better weeds. For five meters run around the bend when the government made us around you again. If Dan Young won't change your mind, baby, 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 Young, that comes from the uh, album Modern Vampires of the City, and Radio 1 plays this a lot. Now, it doesn't really get me a really more into Vampire Weekend, but I do like this tune a lot, and we wind up going to see them in Buffalo, and uh, what a great trip that was. They had a little setup right on the waterfront they, they, there in Buffalo, and we spent a couple days there, visited my wife's best friend from college, went over to Niagara Falls, and boy, if you're looking for a place to go when everything is back to normal, uh, you could do worse than Western New York and Buffalo. Yes, people go there for Niagara Falls, but uh, we had a nice time in Buffalo. Stayed right downtown at a, at a new hotel. It was I think it was a New Hampton Inn. Lovely. Uh, saw some of the historic sites, drove around. Like I said, visited my wife's uh, best friend who tried to tell me Tim Hortons wasn't that good. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Maybe she just meant that location, but I'm sure there's been some kind of a mistake. Anyway, um... They've since moved to New Jersey. Anyway, we go to see the them. Cults is the opening act, who are also very good. And uh, they, Vampire Weekend, those dirty names, they open with Diane Young right off the bat. Come right out of the gate with it. And I really don't know a lot more songs than some of the hit singles. But, um, of course, Fangirl takes pictures for Pop Culture Beast website. And uh, Little Liza start getting into music at this point. So she's having a good time dancing around. I think she was only, what, 20? She would have been only like seven or eight at this point. So, uh, yeah, Modern Vampires of the City also contains the songs Yah Hey, like I said, which is another song that um, alternates with uh, uh, Walcott as a closer. Steps, another good track from this. Unbelievers is another good track from this. So, um, yeah, a, a great album. Guess nominated for all kinds of awards. I'm trying to see where Diane Young did it. I only got the 50 on the UK chart, weirdly. Like I said, because Radio 1 played the daylights out of it, and they still play to this day. So they take a break for a while. It's about a six-year break. It's a Tears for Fears slash Human League-esque type of break to record Father of the Bride. And at this point, I'm still not, you know, super keen on them. But um, at this point, my wife has gone deep back into the catalog, loves all the, almost every song on every album, fangirl, big fan. And uh, Father of the Bride comes out in early 2019, and uh, my wife can't wait to hear it. She, she, puts, she, she has uh, the Alexa play it. And she's like this, Alexa, play Father of the Bride. And then it's Alexa, skip, Alexa, skip, Alexa, skip. Took a while for the album to take. And she really still doesn't like this album as much as the other albums. This is another case where I like the entire catalog. Uh, my buddy in high school was astonished that I liked all five police albums equally, for the most part. Uh, 
but uh, and I like all the OMD albums, uh, Beach Boys albums. Uh, there are some winners and losers there, certainly. But I like all four uh, Vampire Weekend albums almost equally. I like Father the Bride a lot, and it was my favorite album of 2019, certainly. And uh, though my wife likes that she doesn't love it, but I think I think it's great. I can get all the way through it. And it's a long album. There's I don't know how many tracks are on this, 13, 14. Then they released a, a new version in 2020 that added some B-sides from some Japanese releases. So uh, it's, it's a pretty, pretty long album. A lot of great tracks on this. The first single is Harmony Hall. And here's that funny story I was going to tell you, and I've told this before. A uh, friend of the show, uh, Tim Slagle, is a comedian from Chicago, uh, originally from Detroit. He is what you would call not – he's a mostly a libertarian. He's a pretty conservative dude, but we both love music. So we're on opposite ends of the political spectrum to be sure, but we both dig music and we dig a lot of the same bands. And he uh, messaged me one day and he goes, I'm out on Vampire Weekend. And I'm like, wait, what happened? What? What? Did they do something liberal? <laughs> and he's right. He goes, no, I heard their uh, song on a hotel commercial and they're just in it for the money. And I'm like – Wait a minute, how is the libertarian and conservative mad that Vampire Weekend's making money from their music? And me, the liberal pinko, is like, yes, go for it. And I do get it. I, I, you know, you don't want to hear Harmony Hall and be reminded of staying in a hotel. I get that. But, you know, when you're a band these days, you got to make money any way you can. Now, that being said, Vampire Weekend pack, packs them in in big venues. So they do make their a lot of money touring. But in the old days, they would do that and they would have record sales. They're not record sales anymore, kids. If you want went to see Vampire Weekend in 2019 and bought tickets ahead of time, you did get, um, you did get uh, the CD, but they gave that to you. But they didn't make any extra money from it. it was, I don't think it was really folded into the cost of the ticket because the tickets were pretty reasonably priced. So, yeah, I mean, streaming, you're not making no money from streaming. Spotify, rubbish. So that's why I try to buy music from people that I like. Um, I'll stream it up to see if I like it, and I will, end, I will or borrow it from the library, and if I really like it, I will certainly buy it and, and buy whatever I can from that artist. So anyway, Harmony Hall is actually the first single. It's really good, but I'm going to go with one of my favorite tracks of all of 2019. Uh, is the, I wound up actually being the third single from the album. Uh, the song is called This Life. My wife argues that it isn't as Vampire Weekendy as other stuff, and I think it's because Rostam left the group, and he wrote a lot of the songs with 
uh, Ezra Koenig, although they collaborated a lot on these songs, too. And I, I was reading somewhere where for this album, though, Ezra Koenig was, I can't remember who, what, who he was listening to, but whoever he was listening to at the time he was writing the album, he wrote more straightforward lyrics. And he started liking that idea of like, oh, you know what the song's about immediately and who it's being sung about or to or whatever, where uh, the other songs, if you've been listening closely to the Vampire Weekend catalog, can be a little esoteric, a little mysterious, a little ambiguous, very ambiguous, but great nonetheless. But yeah, I, lyrically, this album is much more straightforward. And uh, this life, what a tune, man. And you can really hear that world influence in there as well. The other track I've chosen from Father of the Bride, I, it took a walk. So I like a, every song on here for different reasons. Uh, the other song I'm going to choose, though, I thought was a single. It was not. But Radio 1 played it a lot after uh, they were done playing This Life in Harmony Hall. And the song is called Stranger. And at first I'm like, well, this is a weird choice for a single. It doesn't sound very single-y. But as uh, I heard it more and more, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is perfectly a single. So we're going to hear Stranger from Vampire Weekend from the album Father of the Bride. I, things have never been stranger. I, things are going to stay strange. I, I remember life as a stranger. Weekend's Father of the Bride. Uh, we saw them three times in 2019. They came to Cincinnati, and this is really where it started to take for me. Uh, my buddy at work, Billy, uh, he and his wife are proper Vampire Weekend fans. I think it's like his wife's second favorite band, and it's top three, four for him. And so I'd always kind of talk to him about Vampire Weekend because it was something to talk about and something we had in common. And I started, to, as I started getting more into the band, we really started to, you know, to chat more about music and stuff like that. And um, he went to the show we saw in Cincinnati here, and he asked me later at work, he's like, did you like how they turned into fish, <laughs> the jam van? I'm like, you know, I didn't mind, and I hate jamming. When I was in a group with my friend uh, John, we hated jamming. We would jam only to write songs to find hooks and melodies, but we were not about sitting about and going, yeah, let's really get into this eight-minute song. Nah, no, nonsense. Um, and I don't like when bands do that. Uh, it, it, it's okay if you're going to play the 12-inch version of a song. Fine if I really like the, that version of the song. But other than that, uh, don't bother. And I got to say, with Vampire Weekend, it got a little nerve-wracking in spots. But, you know, when they come uh, to town, uh, they not only bring the three current members, but they bring a whole host of really talented people with them. So it's kind of a pleasure if they turn into fish for a little bit. 
And then we um, decided uh, we always wanted to go to Red Rocks, my wife and I, so uh, because we were very inspired by the uh, U2 concert we saw on the MTV when we were in high school, Under a Blood Red Sky. And separately, both always desired to go see a concert there, and what a perfect band to see at Red Rocks. So we saw Vampire Weekend, first night, gorgeous, late fall, Colorado evening, warm, temperatures in the 60s. I got us good record company seats, sixth row. Uh, we bought tickets for the second night um, way ahead of time. We ended up about 20, 25 rows back. Uh, a windstorm came through. The temperature plummeted from the 60s down into the 30s by the end of the show. It was very U2 under blood red sky-like, snow kind of flying in the air, people gradually leaving the concert, and they played all the way till 11 o'clock because it was the last uh, American show of their tour, and they decided, we said, we're going to play till the curfew and it tells us we can't anymore. Not the COVID curfew, the noise ordinance curfew uh, at Red Rocks. They have, you have to stop at 11. So they played all the way up till 11 o'clock. And we walked up to the back of the, if you're familiar with the venue, we walked up to the very top of the stairs because we were freezing. And uh, we watched them play Walcott and immediately bolted for the car. <laughs> so uh, there you have it. Yeah, Vampire Weekend. Uh, I like I always I like them a lot more uh, as I've said about other groups in this contest. Uh, I like them a lot more than I, I think I do. And the thing is, I think song for song, especially for the later groups, uh, and we're going to hear the 1975 in churches in subsequent episodes, and we heard Killers last week. You know, song for song. I mean, I think they certainly may be the top group of the 21st century for me. But again, that, there isn't quite that emotional connection I get with the killers. So we'll, we'll delve into that further and further episodes. We're going to move on now, though, to our uh, honorable mention band, which is R.E.M. And these guys maybe should have made it to uh, maybe to the actual contest. But, you know, I love them all the way up. And like a lot of people, I love them all the way up through Monster. But then, like, when they became a big... You know, and not through any fault of their own, but when they became a big, you know, rock band, and good for them, that's what you should do. It, you know, it just kind of, I'd been with them for so long, it's just kind of like, ah, uh, like Andy, as Andy McCluskey would say, ugh, do I need another REM album? And then bits and pieces, I liked stuff in the 90s. I mean, uh, Out of Time is a great album. That comes out in 91. Fantastic. Uh, Automatic for the People follows it. Another good album. And then after that, I'm kind of like, eh, and bits and pieces, I like some songs, but I, I think I'm done. And uh, what's really weird to me is uh, looking back, is it's, and this is kind of the case with U2, that most people that know R.E.M. and U2 don't know the early albums at all. They only know these acts as big arena-filling rock bands, and which really is strange to me. But uh, R.E.M., I'm going to choose a tune from their album from 1987. Uh, it was a tough choice. I almost went with Driver 8 from 1986's uh, Fables of the Reconstruction. But I decided to go with Fall On Me. Friend of the show, April Richardson, massive R.E.M. fan, her favorite R.E.M. song. So I think this is appropriate. I like this tune because uh, it features both Michael Stipe, who is your lead vocalist, but also features Mike Mills uh, on bass. Uh, fun story. Fangirl met Mike Mills accidentally. Uh, Fangirl works at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You are not allowed to approach uh, people at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, famouses. Uh, if they approach you, you can chat with them. Like, and this sort of happened. Uh, he's, Mike Mills is in a group called the, the Baseball Group or something like that. It's a, a bunch of other... I think... Uh, who is it? The guy, the kerosene man, Steve Wynn, not the guy that owns the casinos, separate Steve Wynn from the, uh, from the, from the nineties and eighties. Uh, anyway, from the dance society, if you remember them, uh, anyway, he's in a, and they just sing songs about baseball, original songs about baseball. Anyway, they were playing at the rock off for all-star weekend and uh, fangirl was working. We were there and uh, they were playing out in the front lobby and uh, she was going up the escalator, and she and it's weirdly designed at the Rock Hall. And she, anyway, she passed Mike Mills on the escalator. And he just nodded to her, and then he saw her again at the bottom of the escalator. And he's like, "How'd you get down here so fast?" So that's so that's what 
There you go. And um, and listen to April Richardson's story about being taken to Athens then knocking on Mike Knowles' door. That's a fun story. I think she tells that on our podcast. Just Google April Richardson, PF State Recorder. Fun story. So anyway, fall on me. Our honorable mention, like I said, vocals from uh, both Michael Stipe and Mike Mills. Uh, just a great, great tune. Fall on me. There's Fall On Me from R.E.M. It is our honorable mention band of the week. And uh, they have since, of course, broken up. I'm sure they'll get back together. I have a feeling that they will. This is not a permanent thing. Um, and let me see here. So that brings us to the song of the week. Song of the week from our friend Declan McKenna. Declan McKenna, we've been big fans of his for a couple of years now. And I believe this is his second album. It's called Zeros. And again, almost a, uh, a Tears for Fears slash Vampire Weekend slash Human League-esque amount of time taken between albums. And uh, But anyway, he released this album last year. A couple good tracks on this one. The current single, I believe, is Rapture. That is what they're playing on Radio 1, so I reckon this is the single. And um, for those of you from the 80s, uh, Declan really puts me in the mind of Roddy Frame. Young, super talented, writes great songs. This is one of them. Uh, it's our song of the week on PS Tape Recorder, Rapture. So long, and thanks for listening. Shit's black, shit's black, shit's black, shit's black. Say